Welcome back to another episode of the Left Home Podcast. Today, we got our buddy here, Ian. Is your last name Deloney? It's Deloney. Okay. Okay. I'm like, I don't really know, but (laughs) got it. I don't really know how to say it anyway. But another fucking Minnesota dude. Yeah. Down in AZ. uh, Me and JT. We've been, me and Ian kind of met like fucking. I don't know, maybe over a year now. Yeah, but we had another birthday, so it's been a little while. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Ian's a graphic designer. He does all sorts of, like, (laughs) anything. Like, I don't know if you still, like, done photography, done... He does cool shit, basically, I guess. I don't know. But you're a designer. Yeah, designer for the most part. Used to be a photographer. A little closer. A little closer. Yeah, used to be a photographer, but kind of transferred over to design and... Wanted to focus my energy and attention kind of in one area. So, yeah. Hell, yeah. So, basically, just going to fucking kick back and, and buy. But Start this baby off. So, we were, we were actually just talking before the pod, but I guess, what are what like, what was your first memory of, like, yo, I want to do something creative, I guess. Let's just... Yeah, I mean, as a kid, I was kind of interested in art and creativity, but I didn't do it too much. Um, I I took, like, some random art classes in school as a kid, but nothing really special there. And then around, I was probably middle school, like, seventh or eighth grade, I got really interested in photography. So I pretty much got, like, a photography for dummies book, read all about it, saved up some allowance, and, like, bought a shitty camera. And then from there, I just, like, was in love with photography for the next, like, I was, like, five to eight years. Kind of took some breaks in there, but I got really into it. And at the time, I was living in Texas when I was learning. And then kind of got burnt out of it. But then when I moved to Minnesota, I was 16, and I kind of got, like, re-inspired by it. And so I just took up photography super heavy. And I was freelancing and doing that for my main gig during college. And then, yeah, it wasn't until I was, like, 20 or 21 that I trying to transfer it into graphic design. What made you like, what was that switch from photography to graphic design? Cause I feel like a lot of people like, I see a lot of photographers nowadays that if you saw the original photo, you'd be like, how the hell did you get, it's basically graphic design, but the basis of it was like a photo. Yeah. But I know a lot of people like you can only take, you can't, I don't know. Some people take photos and they're like, that's all it is really click it click the button and you kind of edit it and you're like, that's what it is. And they want like yeah. more like, yeah, I guess for me, the main reason I kind of pivoted was I saw photography is becoming less and less valuable over time. Like just with phones coming out with good cameras and all these advancements, it just became clear to me that it was becoming a lot easier to do. And there was like less demand for it, um, especially from like a career standpoint. So I kind of was brainstorming ways where I could still be creative, but just in a different way that's more valuable. And uh, I kind of like looked into it online. I saw graphic design was a popular topic. I'd never really thought about it before. Like I'd never really thought about that as a career. Definitely never saw myself doing it. 
But when I started to think about it, um, I'm like more of a business-minded kind of creative. So I see things very uh, marketing and business-oriented as well as from a creative side. And so I felt like graphic design was a good way to merge those two worlds. Um, with photography, you definitely can do that. But I feel like with graphic design, businesses will always need that. And it's only going to become more and more prevalent in years to come. So the shift was basically just me trying to set myself up for a more sustainable career and just something that I could kind of set myself apart more in. Because with photography, it's definitely harder to set yourself apart, especially as the technology gets better and better. Are there a lot of trends in graphic design where it's like, hey, this year, this is everyone's logos looked like this? Where, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, it, it changes from year to year, obviously, the major trends, but you will see, like, certain years, everyone's, like, simplifying their logos, and, I mean, that's just a trend of the past, like, five to ten years, everyone's, like, simplifying everything. Uh, people nowadays are using kind of different color palettes than they would have a few years ago, like, less bold and more minimalistic or, like, pastel, so there's definitely trends that you'll see uh, year to year. I think it's kind of important, though, not to try to follow those trends, right. uh, take note of them and kind of see where they could fit within your craft. But I've learned not to like focus too much on them because they go away as quickly as they come in. Yeah. The, the reason I ask is because like with photography, I feel like right now, not even, I feel like this is what it is right now is like the vintage grainy type shit, Yeah, which I love that look, but I already am trying to like figure out something new. Cause I know that like, that's come and it's damn near going to be gone. Yeah. And I'm like, if I just keep riding this wave of like, Oh, fucking throw the grain on and make it look yeah. old. Like one, what's the point of having expensive gear? If you're going to make it look like look shit, old, <laughs> but you know, yeah. so I, I already like have that in my head as a photographer where I'm like, damn, I need to like, I need to find, I need to find the next thing before it's here because yeah. I'm like, this ain't going to be around much longer. Yeah, I feel like with photography too, like just, like I said earlier, it's harder to set yourself apart. And so, like you said, it's good to find kind of your style and hone in on that, but also not like focus on like that's the only thing you're going to do. Uh, I think it's best to find the style and like master it, but also be able to do other things, obviously, because you're going to need some versatility in there. Mm -hmm. But I think with that specifically, that older style, I feel like a lot of people just gravitate more towards that nowadays. Like visually, like I like that style more too than yeah. like cleaner work now. So I think that's definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. I think that's definitely going to be here to stay. I, I just think from like a, like a career standpoint, maybe though, it's like you got to have like, I don't know, maybe not. I hope, I hope that for the next <laughs> however long you can just, make shit look cool as hell and like that's all like i don't know it's i mean just... yeah i feel like it really depends on what uh kind of field within photography you're in like definitely yeah. like clothing brands and stuff it's way more applicable mm -hmm. um to do those kind of vintage old school vibes but other things if you're doing like promotional videos and stuff like that it's definitely not as realistic to do that as often mm -hmm. but i think you could find a pocket where you could ride out that style as long as you want. Right. Because I feel like it's going to just keep getting more and more used over time. Like yeah. more and more trendy. Like I, think, I think music right now is definitely one of those where I think 
music like music photography that's what it's going to look like for a while i think yeah and that's kind of why like that's one of the fields that like that's like what i want to gear more towards yeah it's like music and stuff so i I don't know. It's like a mental, like you never know. I guess, but. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with that, the main thing with photography, what I was doing is I was getting kind of bored of it towards the end of when I was taking it. And that's ultimately why I switched, but I would use like, uh, like prisms, like light prisms mm-hmm. and like put them over the lens and like get certain flares or certain just different textures and stuff like that. I feel like doing things like that could really help you take it to the next level yeah. and like separate yourself aside from just like, your editing style. Right. Especially now, like there's so many presets and like, yeah, they're so easy to download. If you want to go that route that you have to do something more than that to separate yourself, whether it's your composition or like I said, using textures or something like that. I feel like it's harder to separate yourself nowadays, but there's more opportunities to do so. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, so one of the main reasons that I started like, thinking like, oh, I want to have a career in like photo and video is because growing up, I always thought like when I would take photos of like us at the cabin or like just more like candid type shit. I'm like the feeling and emotion that I feel from this one photo is like so much like I can like there's like a few photos I think of in my head every time I like think of this that I'm like, those are the like photos that the my favorite ones I've ever taken. How how does that like translate to design where you can make anything you want it's not you capturing something in like like a photo you're capturing something out there whereas design it's like all from your head yeah i mean that's that's one of the biggest opportunities within design is that you do have that freedom and that also goes into why i kind of pivoted out of photo because i found myself wanting to be more creative than i was able to be with photography so I'd like edit it crazy and use filters and like prisms and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like that photo is just that photo, like the environment I was in, the setting that was there, like I can't really change that, you know, it's just like, that's just how it is. And so like with design, the opportunity is pretty much endless there. And so I think of it in a way of, instead of capturing a moment, you're creating a moment, you know? And so I feel like the way I think about things is, Sometimes when I think of art and like photo- photography specifically, I would like take a cool photo of some landscape, but in the foreground, I wish there was like sunflowers mm-hmm. or I wish there was like red flowers instead of yellow flowers or something like that. And with design, you can just fully create whatever you want. So for me, I kind of view it as you're able to create your own world pretty much. And like all the things that you wish existed and that you wish you could see in real life is like, that's your opportunity to create that. See, that's one of the things that I like kind of struggled with almost when I first like really got into like photo and stuff where I would see these, it happened a lot on Twitter where I would see a lot of like photographers that I would follow and I'd be like, damn, these are some insane pictures. And then kind of like six months, a year later, I started to realize I'm like, Yo, this isn't what they took a photo of. They no. ma- this is just all Photoshop. Yeah. And I didn't know that was a thing like two years ago. Yeah. I thought like if you took a photo. That's how it That's looked. what was in the photo. <laughs> so I was always like, how are these people getting these photos of just the most insane crazy stuff? stuff? Yeah. And I have a hard time connecting to it because I'm like, 
that's cool. That looks super fucking cool. Yeah. But that's not what you saw. And that's not what your experience was. Yeah. And I actually had a lot of friends like where I went to college. It's like a very, it's in Duluth, Minnesota. It's a very naturey town on Lake Superior. Like, so photography is really popular there. And just people hiking and being outdoors is popular. And so when I was heavy into photography in Duluth, I had a ton of friends that would do it with me. And like, it was just this whole big thing. And I remember some people that I was with didn't really like that. I would edit photos to look pretty different than what it actually was. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for example, if there was, if we're like in a forest with all all these green leaves around a waterfall, I would change them to be like red or orange to look like fall time. And I got a lot of people come up to me and say like, they don't believe in that. And they think it's kind of whack that I did that. And I, I understand that fully. Like it's not, a genuine representation of where you were. But that's when I first started wanting to get out of photography. Cause I was like, I don't want to take things as they are. Like I want to be able to put my twist on it and see things, I guess, express things about how I wish I could see them. And that was something a lot of people kind of had some harsh feelings about just cause they didn't believe in that for their own work, which is fair, but it's a very popular topic. I mean, it, it's less about documenting at that point and more about expressing your thoughts. Right. Which is what I didn't realize before. And like now yeah. I'm starting, like I'm definitely more on the, like just appreciating it for like what it is. It's like, I look at this, they, they did their job because they made this. I looked at it and thought that's really cool. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have happened if they just posted the photo they took. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, like, I don't know. So I'm definitely like, moving more towards the like just appreciating those things whereas before i was like i don't know i was like yeah that's not real you know yeah. i was like i think that's dope though how like you can put your own twist on things and stuff and yeah I, I feel like for me like that's the main thing that's the main reason why i do art you know is yeah. to be able to express myself and i felt pretty constricted with photography just for like what i wanted to do um yeah, and I, I know, like, towards the end of it, I was doing a lot of, like, t- concert photography, and I would even find myself, like, using that prism, like I said, but then overlaying, like, I would take photos of waves and, like, overlay that pattern over a concert photo. Mm-hmm. Like, I was just trying to find different ways to, like, express, like, I wanted this photo to, like, feel like a warm, summery-type vibe. So, like, overlaying different textures and stuff like that was, like, a way that I felt like I could do that. But as I was doing that more, I, I just started to realize, like, I think my time would be better spent just designing something fully because then I'm not, like, held back by anything. Right. Yeah. That's, it's actually interesting that because me and Jordan, just the podcast we filmed, just us two the other day, I was, like, saying how I have all these ideas. My notes are just, like, filled with these concepts. Yeah. But I can never bring them to life. Could possibly be because... I can't with just a fucking camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, it could be as simple as like, I have these ideas and I think like I see them through a lens. Cause that's just like how I am like right now. I feel like, but how do I actually get that? It's like, is it even possible with just a click of the button? So like when you switched or like transitioned into this graphic design, did you have to like do the, graphic design for dummies and stuff or did you already have like a good knowledge and concept of like what you were doing and stuff uh yeah i actually had zero knowledge of what i was doing i had never like 
never in my life had I used like an Adobe product ever before. Like, so no Photoshop, no Illustrator, nothing. Um, but one of the main reasons I found graphic design was when I was researching the school I was at has a, a degree that was marketing with a graphic design uh, minor pretty much. Okay. So it was, a, it was a business degree, but whatever it was, 20% of my classes had to be like art classes or something or design classes. So when I was, I decided when I was 20, like I'm going to transition out of photo into design. So I like applied to this program in my school. Uh, I got in there. And then the first few courses I took graphic wise, they taught like some of the basics. And I remember I was by far the worst person in the class, like by a hundred miles, like wasn't even close. Um, everyone had already learned the basics like years before me and everything we were learning was kind of like just a beginners like recap. And I was pretty much the only one that needed it. And so that first semester I was like really like frustrated pretty much because with photography I'd gotten pretty good and I was definitely one of the more experienced ones in my like friend group and in my peers. So going from that to like being the worst person in the class, I was like, damn, this feeling sucks. Like it's been a while since I felt this and I, it wasn't a good feeling. So that summer, um, I just made like three projects per week, like fake made up projects. Like if I had to design the Bonnaroo festival poster, what would it look like? So I'd make that project and I would complete that. So I'd do three a week. So I'd do like clothing designs, packaging for like coffee brands or just anything I could think of. And so by the time summer was over, I had done like so many projects, like 50 to 100 personal projects. And the next semester came around and none of my peers had like done anything since last semester. They hadn't even opened up their Photoshop in like six months or three months, I guess. So I'd like been practicing like crazy this whole time. And I came back that next semester and was like significantly better than I was before. But I also felt like I leveled the playing field for myself a lot with the people surrounding me because I was starting at square one and they were already like 20 steps ahead of me. So to answer your question, I had zero knowledge at all. Um, the classes I took kind of gave me like a little push, like here's the absolute basics. But then after that, I just had to kind of take it upon myself and just put in the time. And at first I didn't learn a lot about the technical skills, but it was more so just like pushing myself to create these projects every week just so I could understand my style more and just get more acquainted with those programs. Damn. Dude, put in the fucking work. Dude, that was something <laughs> I will never forget that, bro, because I remember going to those classes, and there's not many times in my life where I've been the worst person in a group, like, not an opinion. Like, that was definitely the worst person there. Yeah. And I just remember that feeling of, like, I got a lot of work to do. Like, I got to catch up a lot. But I also felt inspired because, like I said earlier, I have more so, like, a business mind than a creative mind. And so I was able to put myself in better positions than some of the people around me, even though they were better designers than me. Um, I was kind of able to operate business situations a little bit better than they were. So although it was like a heavy lift at first and a ton of work, I felt pretty motivated because I felt like even if I had leveled the playing field um, skill-wise, design-wise, I'd be in a good position just because I know a lot about business. 
what gave you like the business knowledge? Um, I just think I've always been kind of aware of it. Like when I was younger, I like didn't want my parents to pay for my stuff. So I got a job when I was like 14. And like, even before I got a job, I was taking when I was like 12 or 13, I would take uh, senior photos for kids at my school for like 20 bucks. And like, I was always have like been $20 to, senior photos. Yeah. He's like getting a steal. <laughs> I mean, I've always been trying to find ways to like pretty much like just make money. Cause I didn't want to like mooch off my parents, but I was too young to get like a real job. Cause I wasn't 15 or 16 yet. So I've always kind of been like, I guess hungry for that in a way and not just want things handed to me. But then as I grew older, um, I kind of just put myself in positions where I could learn from the people around me and I could like be in unique uh, business positions to where I could just be a sponge pretty much, you know? So it wasn't as much like textbook learning or researching online. It was more so just putting myself in those situations and like experiencing that. Damn. From a very young age. I feel like, do you think that gave like, obviously you having that mindset from a young age itself like helps, but the fact that you were aware of these things and you started learning at like 12, 13, 14, where if like, you know, they always say it's easier to learn a language when you're a little kid than it is as an adult. Do you think it also had like that? Whereas like that's been your mindset since you were 12 years old. So all through up until you're 18, when it actually kind of starts to matter, or you could even say like 22, like after college, when it really starts to matter, you had 10 years where that was like pretty like, like a high up spot in your brain to be like, I'm going to like absorb these things. Whereas a lot of these other people, business has like, Oh, I'm graduating in a year. I should probably figure out like how to market myself or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it helped from a young age. I think the real reason I started doing those things from a young age was because probably my biggest fear is to live like an average life. Just like, just to live a life where I don't feel proud of my accomplishments or I don't feel like I gave it my all. Like that's definitely one of my biggest fears. And I've always felt that way from a young age. And I've also felt from a young age that um, I have something... I feel like it's always changed, like whether it's photography or business or graphic design, but I feel like I always have something that I want to show the world or put mm-hmm. into the world uh, that I don't want to waste, whatever it is at the time. But I feel like I've always had that kind of thought process that I don't want to waste what I have because I feel like there's something special there, whatever it, it may be. Me and him were just having a conversation, like just at our back table outside the other day about how just like don't know what the fuck it is but like i just know i'm gonna do something yeah you know like that has to be your mind from a young age like i never once i never want like when people are like oh what's your dream job and you're like oh i want to be a doctor firefighter all this shit mine was mlb yeah and then i don't know but something that's pretty much my only two options like it wasn't like Oh yeah, that job sounds cool. Like all that one. Never once in my life was I like, I want a job, you know, like at all from a very young age. Like I just, and I think that's goes to show like, like I feel like you could ask a lot of people in like the creative industry of any kind. And they'd probably all say the same thing that. Yeah. As early as they can remember, they're like, 
don't know what it is, but I'm going to do something. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely always had that mindset. Like, I just feel like certain people, and there's like nothing wrong with wanting to live like an average life. Like that's definitely, there's a lot of benefits to that. I mean, there's a lot more. But do you, th- do you think there's nothing wrong with it if they're unhappy or is it only if, if you, if you actually are content and happy with clocking in every day, just average, like the American dream style life, if you're actually mentally happy with that, yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But if you're doing that and every day you, you hate, hate waking up, then yeah, you, like, what do you think? You know, I mean, I don't want to say it's right or wrong, but I just feel like as humans, like we all deserve to not live that life. Yeah of doing something you hate all the time. So from my perspective, I think it's not right or wrong, but it's like you owe yourself better to do something that you actually care about. Um, Whether or not, I mean, it's going to be a lot of work regardless, like Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you can't live a life that uh, you're, you're pursuing something uncommon or pursuing something that you're truly passionate about and have it be easy. Like that's just not how it works typically. So I think we all just owe it to ourselves to put in the time and put in the energy to do something that you're going to truly feel proud about at the end of your life. Because that's something like, I think the most impactful quote for my life is just don't die wondering. And that's like the biggest thing for me is there's a lot of things I want to do. And ultimately it's a lot harder to actually do them than you always want it to be. But I always think, when I'm hesitant about something, like if I died next week or if I died next year, if I'm on my deathbed, am I going to be happy that I didn't do that thing? Probably not. I'm probably going to regret that I didn't put in the work to do that. And so that's just been my mindset is even if it's hard, even if it's challenging, like if you actually want to do something, it's worth the time to at least give it your best because you really can't lose if that's the case, you know, even if you don't make it to that spot or you don't achieve that goal. It's like you only became a better person and pushed yourself through that experience. So that's just kind of my mindset on it. Um, I know that's not, not everyone's going to agree with that, but that's just that's how I've been. It. One of my like main things on the pod is like, I don't give a fuck what you're doing. Just like, I want to, if I can be that person that you like listen to one episode of this and you hear me say it every fucking episode that like, I don't care what it is. We're just like be happy doing it. Yeah. Or at least be happy trying to do it. Yeah. That's going to matter in the end. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me that I struggle with is trying to live in that way where I don't leave anything on the table. Like I want to try to do all the things that I'm passionate about, but also just try to live in the moment and not get too caught up in that stuff. Because I know when I am on my deathbed, I'm not going to wish that I worked more, you know? I might wish that I would have like tried more things, but ultimately I don't ever think I'll be like, damn, I wish I would have spent more of my life working, you know? So it's like a hard balance for me because I'm a very motivated person and pretty much a workaholic between like my passions and my actual job. So that's like my biggest struggle is to balance those two things because I think it's important to have both. I think it's definitely important to pursue your dreams and, put in the time to make things happen. But I do also think it's important to just live in the moment and enjoy the day to day because that's the shit that's ultimately going to matter at the end of the day. So my question, you like, you always say like, Oh yeah. On the weekends, I just kick back vibe and design. 
is that always like work or like when you're designing just for yourself because kind of like what we were talking about earlier with like how I was saying like a photo is like when I take it it's like that feeling in there mm-hmm. are you just pulling from your brain like everything that's coming through like how do you go about like starting a design for like for yourself where you're just like I want to make something today yeah I mean similar to what you said about having a ton of ideas like I have a notepad that I've had for five six years probably with just hundreds of hundreds of ideas um definitely not all good ideas like some of them probably would never turn out and I'll never do them but I pretty much never have a like I'm pretty much always have a hundred ideas that I could do. It's just kind of a matter of what do I feel like doing at that time. So whenever I'm kind of in the mood to design for myself, just for fun, I'll go into that notepad and kind of just see what I'm feeling that day and see if anything sticks out to me. Um, I've noticed a lot of times with that though, when you write a note down of an idea, it's like a very just simple couple words, you know, mm-hmm. but then when you actually work through executing that, you'll run into a lot of roadblocks. So of those hundred, who knows how many will turn out to be final projects, but there's definitely like an endless amount of ideas that I have in there. Is there, is there something that like triggers those ideas? Cause like for me, every time I'm at like a concert, maybe I'm under the influence of something, <laughs> but I'll, the amount of times, like I pull out my notes in concerts, just put it, yeah. Is, and I look the next day I can't even read it I'm like I don't even know what the fuck this was (laughs) but at the time I was probably like yo like here we (laughs) go baby (laughs) you know is there something that like triggers it for you a lot that you recognize like yo when I'm doing this I have my best ideas I actually don't off top of my head like know any like I haven't noticed any trends like that but I like meditate every day and I have been for like a few years now. Haven't you gone every single day? I slipped up this last year. I had had over 500 days in a row of meditating for at least 10 minutes a day. Slipped up this last year. So the streak's not that big anymore, but uh, ultimately I've only missed a couple days in the past, like 700 days. So I guess for me, like I notice when I'm consistently doing that, when my mind's clear like that, I'll have more ideas Whereas if it's a day where I miss a meditation, I usually don't have ideas like that. You know, and like my mind is a little bit more cloudy and just not thinking outside the box, I guess. So like when you meditate, like, how do you do it? Can you like, (laughs) (laughs) so I use, uh, I use the app called Headspace. Headspace. It's just very, uh, it makes it very easy. I used to like try to not use an app. Cause I was like, I didn't want to pay for it at first. And like, you don't need to have a guided meditation to do it. Like you can just do one obviously by yourself. Um, but I noticed it was hard for me to get into the, the routine of it without an app. Um, cause I kind of, every morning I'd wake up and like want to meditate. And then I'm like, got to kind of get myself in the mindset, got to get myself in the setting, maybe like throw on ambient music. Do you do it, it in the morning usually? Yeah, I usually always do. Um, But I realized without the app, there's just a lot of steps and there's like just friction to make you not want to do it. Um, Because with habits, like scientifically, the least friction there is, the more likely you're going to do it. So for me, having an app that has a guided meditation that has a reminder on my phone every day that just click a button, like that's just the easiest way for me to do it. But then like when you're actually meditating, pretty much the ultimate goal is just to 
be still and like sit with your thoughts. Um, basically don't try to think in too deep about the thoughts, but just kind of be present um, and be aware of how your body's feeling at the time and maybe how you're feeling internally, but ultimately just not think about too much at all. Like every time a thought comes up, like if you're sitting there, eyes closed, trying to meditate and you think about like what you want to eat that day, pretty much the protocol is to just mentally note like, oh, I'm having a thought right now. Let's kind of shut that thought down and get back to just not thinking about stuff. You know, when you're, when you're meditating, is it like, so you have to go through like at the beginning, you're, you maybe have those thoughts here and there. Mm-hmm. Do you get to the point where like there is nothing or can you, is, does it still count if say like, do you have days where you're just like, I just couldn't, couldn't get there? Yeah. I mean, ultimately I think most people that practice meditating would agree that it always counts no matter what, even if you're distracted the whole time and didn't get anything done. Like the goal is not to achieve anything necessarily. It's just to set aside the time to listen to your body and like listen to your mind because we just don't do that, especially with phones and like all the technology. Like we just don't tap in and tune in with ourselves as enough as we should. So I guess you could reach like ultimate, like, I don't even know what you want to call it, not focus, but to where there's no like additional thoughts going around in your head. But that's something I feel like you would need to like practice like 10 years of your life to do. Right. Like most people that do it every day for years, never get to that point. Um, But people like monks that dedicate their whole entire life to it, like they definitely get to that point to where there's like not, many thoughts going on they could sit there for eight hours straight but like for me i noticed even 500 days in a row 10 minutes is hard like it never i think for me it got more enticing to want to do i was like excited to do it and like as i did it more often i realized i'm gonna feel better after i do this like this is a good thing it's like kind of like the gym like at first you hate it but if you do it enough um, it starts to feel weird when you don't do it and so that's how I kind of viewed meditating. Um, it it kind of has become something that feels natural. But even today, it's still hard to get 10 minutes with like no thoughts. Because there's always like a million thoughts you could be thinking about. So when you meditate, do you like just do it in your living room? Or do you like to go outside? Or um, I mean, there's... Where's your favorite place to meditate at? Just from like a convenient standpoint, I, I do it in that chair pretty often. Um I like to do it outside, but there's not like rules to meditating, but it's best to like have your back straight just so like your breathing pattern is like not obstructed. Yeah. Um, so like when I'm outside, like I have a balcony here and like there's a hammock and I like doing it there, but it's not really ideal. Cause like my bow, my back is like kind of yeah, yeah. crouched up. So I like doing it outside. It's just not as ideal as maybe sitting in a chair is for me, but Um, yeah, I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do it, but they do say that if you are sitting on the actual ground, like not like, like a balcony is not the ground. It's like not the earth, obviously. So if you're sitting on the earth, like on grass or dirt, they say that you're more like in tune with, I guess your frequency or in tune with your body. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely more beneficial to do it outside, but going back to the friction thing, if I like had to go outside every day to do it, I probably wouldn't do it every day. Right. So just doing it in my living room, in my chair, like I walk past that when I get out of bed, like 
there's no excuse pretty much not to do it. And is it like the first thing you do when you wake up or what? Or is it like? Yeah, I mean, I kind of go through phases where I switch up my routine. I used to do it before I did anything, like before I took a shower or a or anything like. And I think that worked well for me, but I kind of got out of the habit of it. So now I like lay in bed for a bit and like shower first typically. And then I'll just do it like before I drive to work. So it kind of depends on what phase I'm in during that time, but definitely before I like get to work. That's definitely like one of them things where I'm always like, no, it'd be beneficial. Yeah. It's that barrier to entry for me. Cause I'm the type where like I'll sit with like, Something on, I'll sit with Netflix on the TV, watching a YouTube video on TikTok all at the same time. Yeah. Like I need so much stimulation or else I feel like I just, I don't know what the, I don't know what it is, but it's bad. And I'm like the thought of like sitting for 10 minutes and like not doing anything. Like, (laughs) like I made it a point, like I haven't gone on my phone since I've been here. At yeah. your apartment today Yeah Because I made it a point Like on the way here That I was like I'm not gonna go on my phone Because Yeah Why I was on it all day Yeah You know And I constantly have like That mental battle of like Like today I was just like s- Sitting in bed And I'll just like Be on my phone I'll put it down Pick it back up Two yeah. minutes later I'm like I'll, I'll get to the point Where I'll like reach for it I'm like nope Yeah yeah And I'm I like I want that I'm just The thought of like <laughs> Ten minutes of just No thoughts Bro Like my head is yeah, Fucking. I mean, that just shows that you need oh, it even I more, know, though. Dude. <laughs> I always say this to people, though. Like, at first, I didn't have the best approach with it. Um, I didn't really know a lot about, like, the science behind building habits. But I would try to start off doing 10 minutes every day, unguided. And I just realized, like, after I learned more about habit building, you're just setting yourself up for failure that way. So, like, if you were to do it, I think it's better to do two minutes a day or one minute a day even 30 seconds a day. If you do that every day for five days straight, that is so much better than doing it twice a week for 10 minutes. Right. Like even though you're doing it for less time. It's more of the habit. It's the idea of doing it and saying like every day I'm going to set aside 30 seconds, one minute, five minutes to just like tune into myself. Like that's the whole purpose. It's not about how long you do it. It's not about how focused you get or how empty your head feels. Like the idea is just to do it, to set the side, set aside the time and just commit to it. And I feel like that's what scares off a lot of people because they feel like they got to commit to something much bigger than that, which is why I used to not do it either. But I always tell people that want to get into it. Like it sounds dumb, but like literally do it tomorrow for 30 seconds. Like that's something so easy that you can't even tell yourself like, yeah. I don't have 30 seconds. Like, like, yeah, you do. You can't, even, <laughs> you can't even lie to yourself about that. Like, And that's what I've learned with building habits is they say if the harder it is, the easier you want to make it, you know? And so for people that struggle to go to the gym, a lot of um, kind of habit specialists will say, go to the gym for one minute every day for the first week and don't even like work out. Just go to the gym and do 10 pushups and go home. Like do that for a week. And then the next week spend five minutes or two minutes. Like just the idea of doing something is like, I feel like it's the that's getting, what it is. the getting there. Yeah. That's like what even it is. for me now, like working out five days a week since like middle school, 
Yeah. The days like I don't want to work out, it's not even like the gym. It's like, bro, I got to like put on different clothing, drive, drive there. there. Yeah. If I could just go like that and be there, be like, all right, like whatever. Yeah. It's that like the getting there. I feel like that's the biggest thing with any habit is just like the reducing the friction, you know, like, and that's why they say like a lot of people that want to get a healthy lifestyle, they say like set out your gym clothes like next to your bed. So like when you wake up in the morning, all your stuff's right there. Yeah. Like just doing little things like that. It's like you're reducing friction every time actually, you do something like that. I was that. actually listening to a different podcast today while I was eating lunch and they said something about like a, a bike team, like a like Tour de France yeah, type team. team. Yeah. So at over a five year span, the first year, this was like the worst the worst team in the league or whatever. Oh, I don't know how it is. Yeah, yeah. And over five years they made like very minor changes. One of the changes they said on this on this podcast was they like painted their their like bus that they traveled in. Yeah. They painted the walls white instead of black so that yeah. they could see how dirty their their bus was so they'd always keep it perfectly clean less pe- and then by doing that less people got sick less people missed training because they weren't sick and like all yeah. these tiny little things that over they didn't change one big thing they did one probably not even every day every month every year changed like these little things and then 5 years later they won like the tour de france yeah i mean that's what it is it's, it's like, like the same exact thing yeah <laughs> It's like, I remember I read, I think it was Atomic Habits by James Clear. That's literally the yeah. book they were talking yeah. about on the podcast. That's like, when, That's I was, what it was. when I was trying to meditate and all this stuff, like I, I read that book and like that book, everyone should read that book. Like it doesn't matter what you do, like just the concepts in there about breaking down habits like that. His whole core like thesis is he looks at habits like um, kind of investing and like the compound interest that you're going to gain. So like... If you have an interest rate of like one percent, like every day it's like a penny or whatever, like it seems like nothing, but ten years down the line, like you have a million dollars. And so he says that's how like habits work. If you go meditate one minute every day for five days, you know, if you do that for a year, two years, the results are gonna be like insanely big, you know, way bigger than you ever thought. And so that's been like the biggest hack for me with habits and trying to get myself to do things I don't want to do is that it's like, if I don't want to go to the gym, worse I can do is go for 20 minutes. Do you only work out at your apartment gym or you work out at work too? Yeah. Yeah. I work out. There's like a gym. I work out of a house and there's a gym in the garage. So that for me is like, I don't like working out. I've never really worked out before this year. Like I have a little bit, but never consistently. And so this year, I've been trying to get myself to do it more. And so far I've been staying at four to five times a week. But the biggest thing for me is that I shifted my mindset around working out because I used to view it as I don't want to waste an hour of my day doing something I don't like to do. I already work a lot. I get a couple hours of free time a day. I don't want to spend half of it not enjoying myself, you know, and like that's how I used to think about it, which is not a good way to think about something like that. So now I changed my mindset to be like, if I have the opportunity to work out when I'm at work, I can view working out as like a reward, like a little bit of a break from work, can not look at a screen for an hour, can kind of get my body moving 
So I changed it from being almost like a punishment to like a reward, you know? And like just changing that in my head completely changed my like motivation to do it. Cause last year I like tried to get into working out, but I still like had a bad mindset about it. And I think I have like an app to track. And I think I did like a hundred workouts over the year, like 150, which isn't like awful, but it turns out it's like what, two times a week or something, which isn't that good. And so this year already, it's like, I've already gone two times more on average per week just by changing it in my head to a situation that's a reward rather than like a punishment. And that that's something with like atomic habits. They kind of talked about that concept of not that specifically, but just changing the way that you view these habits can really change how hard they actually feel. I think that's so like for everything. Literally 100% everything. just yeah. like, that's you either think like, fuck, I don't want to do this. This sucks. And you're going to keep thinking that. Or you'd be like, you got to like see the positive that's going to come from it. Or Yeah. Yeah. Because it definitely then at that point, yeah. like when I was in college, I would, I like never partied or anything. Like all my friends partied naturally. Like everyone I went to college with was partying and stuff. And like back then it's like, it sucked telling my friends every single week, like, no, I'm not going to go out. Like I want to focus on getting better design and like all this stuff. And in my head, it was never hard for me to do just because I like was looking at it. Like this is my ticket to like living this life that I dream of is like saying no to these things that are fun. Like that's my ticket right there. So for me, it was never like, damn, like I got to say no and miss out on all this fun. It's like, I got to sacrifice this fun for the greater good, like in the long term, you know? And so, like, I've always thought of my career that way. But, I mean, you're right. Like, changing the way you think about anything will make it a lot easier. What do you think about manifesting? Because, like, we haven't really got into, like, much as far as, like, the actual things you've done. But, like, I know, like, my perspective, like, you've done a lot of cool shit. That's in, like, terms of, like, photography, design. Like, we'll get into that. But, like, Mm -hmm. what do you think about manifesting? Because I feel like it's the same realm of like yeah. mindset type stuff uh i mean ultimately i believe in manifesting but i think people have a bad understanding of what it really means you know i think a lot of people think oh if i just say i'm gonna be successful every day i'm just gonna be successful but it's like you have to say you're gonna be successful but then put in the work required to be successful you know like i think manifesting and like speaking things into existence is one little piece of the puzzle like it's it builds the habit yeah it's it's the momentum to start it you know like but ultimately it's one percent of the puzzle you know so i think i ultimately i believe in it but it's not it's such a minor part of the process like you need to be doing all the other stuff for it to happen but ultimately i do believe in it um i believe a lot in like affirmations and just setting intentions and stuff like that i feel like overall it like like manifestation people like like you said kind of people are like oh if i just say like i'm gonna do this yeah you're gonna do it it's like well no but if you tell yourself you're gonna do it every day for most people that would mean you're probably gonna work towards that every day yeah yeah some people are gonna be like i'm gonna do this they're never actually gonna do anything the people are like i'm gonna do this and then they go practice for two hours after work or do whatever yeah that's when it actually matters like my my girlfriend she it's like this this just girl she like kind of knows and she I don't know she does some kind of like coaching or something but 
she posts these YouTube videos sh- sh- where she's like, how I manifested $2,000 overnight. <laughs> and we were like watching a few. <laughs> and I was just like, and basically throughout the video, she says like, oh, like I, w- I wanted to make this much money this month. And then by the end of the month, like I did it because I sold two coaching packages. And I'm like, okay, like you may have said you were going to do that. But you worked to do it. You just did your job (laughs) and in turn got paid. I'm like, it probably helps her. She probably works harder because of it. But I'm like, I don't know if that's quite how it works. Yeah. I mean, I see what she's doing though. Yeah. Because people want that little quick answer. And I feel like ultimately it's all those little things are just ways to reduce the friction. So it's like writing down your goals is one way to reduce the friction. Um, kind of breaking it down to be like two minutes of meditating instead of 10 minutes. Like that's how you reduce friction and just manifesting. Like there's all these little things that you can do that if you're doing all these things in unison, like every day, it's going to add up to make a huge change. And it's going to like, you obviously can't speed up the process fully for everything, but doing all these kind of additional things that aren't required is definitely going to make it happen quicker if you're putting in the work and doing everything like that. Like my father used to say, he's like, it takes 21 days to build the habit or break a habit. And I was like, all right, Buck. So, <laughs> shout out Bucky T. Buck, Buck's a dog. So he knew what he was talking about. He always, what did he used to say to you all the time? He would say, Oh, what would I'll do it today, not tomorrow? So no, no, it was up. uh, <laughs> God, I can't remember. It's just kiki shit. <laughs> I don't know. Either way, so kind of on the terms of manifesting, I guess we we're literally going to talk about it right before we press record. But so, P- so Ian, Ian does did album art for Surfaces. You guys probably know a couple songs by them. You said that people were asking you if you did it because it resembled your work. So yeah. their, their album art, if you don't know, like all looks very like in unit. It's very much like looks the same, yeah. like has the same vibe. Yeah. So people were like, yo, are you doing this before you yeah. did it? Yeah. So there was, <laughs> so back when I was doing like all their album art is like all illustration. It's like very simple illustration with like pastel color palette. Like it's pretty much like their vibe for everything. Mm-hmm. And that was, happened to be my vibe, like my style of like what I was inspired by within design at the time before I even listened to their music. Like I didn't even know who they were, but I literally kept track for a while. Cause it was ridiculous. Like I had a list of like over 35 people that hit me up. Like, Hey, did you design this album? Or like, this looks just like your stuff. So I had over 35 people hit me up about it. And then like over the time I was just like, I aligned with the vibe of it. Cause it's like what I like to do. And then I kind of liked their music and so I kind of just, like, made a goal, like, I'm going to design album art for them one day. Like, and I remember I when I first said it, I was on a podcast, and I just pretty much said, like, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to design an album art for them because it's just up my alley, and I think I have what it takes to do that. And then so probably six months later, maybe a year later, they, like, held a contest pretty much, they made this song called Sunday Best and it had like an insane amount of views. Like I think Spotify had 700 million streams or something. And so they'd held a contest to do like the official album art pretty much. Uh, so they pretty much p- post on Instagram, like 
we're going to pick a winner from all these album art submissions and whoever wins will be put on our Spotify for like a limited time or whatever. And so I was like, this is my call. And like, this is yeah. it. Like, cause I had hit them up probably 20 times before that in the DM saying like, Hey, like you can look at my page. Like our styles are very similar. Um, and actually one of the artists in the band was doing the album art. He's did oh, all wow. the album art. So my pitch was like, Hey, you focus on the music, like focus on what you actually be wanting to do. And like, I can match the style you're going for. Like, let me do your album art. And I reached out probably 10 times, 20 times over the years. They'd respond, but just nothing really like, they're like, yeah, like we'll keep you in mind, whatever. So this contest comes out. I'm like, all right, this is my shot. So I designed, I think three different options and pretty much a lot of people that followed me just tagged them on my post, probably a hundred people tagged them. And yeah, I ended up winning that contest. So went from saying I'm going to design their album art to designing their album art for their most popular song within like six months. But there's a lot of work that went into that, obviously. Right. It wasn't like I just said, oh, I'm going to do it one day, and it just happened. <laughs> right. like, there's a lot behind the scenes that went in on that. And when they released that contest, I remember I was just working like my job at a design agency, and I had to stay up like till midnight after work every night designing these album arts for this contest for something I wasn't getting paid for something that was no guarantee of winning it. Like, so I was staying up late working like 70 hours a week on weeks like that just to kind of get those opportunities. So it was a lot of manifesting, but there's a lot of other stuff too, obviously manifesting. <laughs> <laughs> you, you heard it here first. You just say that shit. It's going to happen real quick. You just said it was top 50 song in the world when it released yeah at the time well so at the time that they held that contest it was the number yeah it hit i think ultimately it hit the number like 25th song in the whole world at one point but when my album art was on there it was number 50 for like that limited time damn so that's like yeah number 52 in the world no like specific to genre or country like just, just overall, overall like whole world damn. which is crazy i remember like i remember that day so specifically it was like during COVID, like two months after COVID started. And like, I just wasn't in a good mindset overall in life at the time. I was just like kind of down. And that day, bro, I just, I, I was looking at everything differently, bro. I was like walking through like my neighborhood, just like, damn, like this is crazy. Like this is some shit I was dreaming about when I was the worst in my class, you know? Cause that was only, when I started, I was 20 or 21 and that, album art happened when I was 23. So that was only two, three years later. Yeah. Like after being like the worst in my school to having that moment, I was like, it definitely gave me a lot of kind of inspiration, like push further and to like find more opportunities like that. Cause I, I looked at your website one time, like a while ago, but so mm -hmm. I can't really remember, but you've done some other shit for like, did you design stuff for like Justin Bieber's album? Yeah. So it wasn't like his album is so like, I don't even know what the album was called. It's like a red, it's like the red album with his face on yeah. it. Yeah. But basically for that album, the his content team filmed a music video for every single song on the album, like before it released. So that it was like one of the first times anyone's done that. They released a 16 song album with a music video for everything for like on release day. Damn. So it was kind of like a big deal in that sense. Um, and so it was, there's a lot of talk about that, like in the filmmaking industry and just like the music industry. 
because um, his documentary is being filmed at that same time. And so I designed like all their marketing assets for uh, the film team was holding like live streams and like uh, instructional courses and stuff like that, Q and A's kind of for like how they filmed the documentary, how they filmed the 16 videos, just all that stuff. So I did all the graphic design work for that. How does that happen? Like, so I knew is it like totally third party or is it a little more like, you know, in terms of like, like people be like, Oh, I, I worked for Justin Bieber, but like he has no clue you exist, yeah, or yeah. <laughs> you know, or is it like, yo, he knows who fucking made this stuff. No. So that situation is <laughs> like on my portfolio. I have to say Justin, like the client was Justin Bieber's media team. It wasn't like Justin Bieber. Yeah. So like in that situation, yeah, it definitely was not Justin Bieber. But it was pretty much his, uh, like, head of content, like, his creative director, essentially, was the one running these videos and was the one hosting the live stream and stuff. And so I knew uh, one of the guys I connected with a few years before that, his name is Ben Haggerty. Uh, he was Beyonce and Jay-Z's uh, filmer and, like, filmed their documentary and stuff. So him and, like, some of his... Um, filming buddies essentially were hosting this okay. and so i did it through them but yeah i mean it was definitely uh that was kind of one that was just like i'm not really a fan of justin bieber like nothing against him i just don't listen to his music so that was one where i was just kind of like i'm just gonna do this for my portfolio because like either way it's like the biggest artist in the world like yeah, yeah. <laughs> regardless of my you're, opinion like it's somewhat like, your name's like connected like yeah in one way or another yeah so that was definitely third party um Probably the biggest project I did, like, right before that, I did a project for Floyd Mayweather. He had, like, a – he has, like, a charity event every year for, like, just his charities. And this was, like, after his 50th win. And so he was hosting, like, a gala charity event for, like, the celebration of the 50th win. So I did uh, all the brochures and pamphlets that they handed out during that event. And that was, like, the first big project I really did freelance because I was, like, 20 at the time maybe 21, but that was like, right. I had not even graduated college like a year before that. So that I was like fresh out of college. Like I was freelancing full time. Um, I guess before that I did a project with Gary Vaynerchuk, but that was like the only other name that I'd worked with that people really knew about. So like, how do you find these jobs when you're like 21 years old? And then it's like Floyd Mayweather just fucking needs a <laughs> yeah. brochure made online or like, how do you find something like that? Yeah, so that's, like, goes back to, like, college when I was, like, just not partying, just grinding, like, so, number one, I was, like, making these projects for myself and just working on, like, personal stuff to get better, but I was also going to school. I also had, like, an internship to, like, make money and, like, pay my bills. Um, it was, like, a marketing internship, so I was doing all that, but then I was freelancing on top of that, like, just trying to, because I didn't have a portfolio besides, like, school projects. And I was just like, I just don't want that on my portfolio. I want, like, real business on there. So I freelanced a bunch in college. And at the time, I didn't have a portfolio. So I would literally send, like, on average for, like, two years, I sent probably 100 DMs a week on average to, like, small clothing brands, small musicians, entrepreneurs, like, just pretty much saying, like, hey, I need to build my portfolio anything you need, like I'll do it for a reasonable rate, you know, like just, I didn't really care about the money. I just wanted to build my portfolio. So 
I spent like two years just like networking as much as I could through Instagram. And my approach to it has never been uh, like a mass appeal type approach where it's copy and paste. Every time I would reach out to someone, it was like a brand or an artist that I like truly was inspired by. And um, I guess I would like make it clear that my objective was to like help them and to like bring them value. So uh, the guy like Ben Haggerty, who was Beyonce and Jay-Z's photographer and filmer, I hit him up right when I, it was even before I started graphic design, it was when I was a photographer. And I hit him up saying, hey, if you ever need help with like, if you're on tour, because he was with Schoolboy Q at the time. So I said, hey, if you ever need like behind the scenes photos or need help like second shooting at a show with Schoolboy Q, like let me know. And that was like five, six years ago. So there's a handful of people I would just kind of build connections with and say, hey, like here's my skill set. If you ever need help in a certain area, like I'm down to help you for free. Like I just want to help you out and build this relationship. So that was what I did for like two years on top of working, on top of freelancing, on top of going to school. And so by the time I graduated, I had a pretty like solid pool of people that I had built connections with that I was kind of like just waiting to do work for because I hadn't done work for them during college because I just wasn't good, like straight up. I just wasn't good enough for what they needed at the time. So kind of just built those connections and took a few years, but eventually I got to a point where they saw value in me. And then after I graduated, a lot of those leads kind of came back to me and actually took me up on that offer. And like I so said, the Floyd, May want, Floyd Mayweather was through a connection that I had done that through. Uh, the Justin Bieber thing was a similar thing there. Um, same with Gary Vee. So pretty much all of them came through relationships I built on Instagram, just trying to provide free value over the years. What do you... Th so you clearly like put in the work as far as like free value or cheap work for yeah. years. Cause I'm, I'm kind of in like the same spot where like, I feel like I have like the mindset and the mind and like the creativity is my skill set that great. No, not at all. I, I just got a fuck two years ago. I didn't even have a fucking camera. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But takes time. But I so many people like there's like don't fucking work for free. Oh, and I'm like I know. I know. I'm like chill the fuck out. Life ain't that serious. Like yeah. oh I hear all these fucking dudes out there charging I charge $1000 for five photos. I'm like you mean you just rip them off. I don't give a shit yeah. what you like you click the like literally nothing like spe there's people who like actually make good stuff but i'm talking like dudes just who basic, like yeah you just took a photo edited it and like you think it's and they're like don't don't work for free like yeah you gotta like value your time and yourself but i'm like sometimes a connection or learning is worth more than way more fucking time and, yeah you know i'm no, like yeah. i don't know man like i've always kind of disagreed with that notion that you should never work for free because i feel like it's just unrealistic and i feel like it's also just people like gatekeeping and yeah. trying to control the industry where realistically a 19 year old kid from minnesota doing a photo shoot for free is not affecting your income and if somehow it is like you're just not doing you're not a good, good enough, enough job yeah. like <laughs> i don't know how that would affect someone else but 
like the guy, Ben Haggerty, I did three projects for free for him before I ever did anything paid. And even when he did pay me that fourth time, I didn't even ask for it. I just, he told me the project and I said, all right, like I'll do it. And he ended up paying me, which is dope. But those kind of situations, I feel like there's a time and a place to do work for free and it's got to be valuable to yourself enough to be worth it. But for me, that was the only way I could get into these circles. Yeah. Like these circles are very hard to get into. Like clearly it's who you fucking know 100%. more than what you know. You got to know, you got to be able to hold your own. But if you don't yeah. know these people, none of this, none of this happens. And I have always, I'll tell this to anyone that talks to me about the Floyd Mayweather thing. They could have found 10,000 more skilled designers than me. Like they, I didn't get chosen cause I was the best designer they could find. Like, it's Floyd Mayweather. Like, they could have found way better than me, but I had a good rapport and relationship with someone on his team. I could do it. I dropped everything to do it, like, instantly. I did it for a reasonable price. Death wasn't free, but it definitely was, like, I think I made, like, a 1000 bucks or something. Like, it was very cheap for what it was. So it was, like, it just came down to the fact that I knew the people. I was willing to put in the time and drop everything. And, like, it was just convenient for them. So it's like I wasn't the best one they could find, but I was, like, the most realistic fit for them at the time. And I feel like you can't get in that position without setting yourself up through, like, connections and portfolio and stuff, which requires a lot of free work in most situations. Right. Like, obviously, if someone is asking you for free shit and they have no value, like, yeah, no. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just remember in, in college, bro, like I would just reach out to anyone and everyone that I was like inspired by in any way. Like I would hit up like my main strategy was find people that I was like really inspired by. So, for example, like a musician like ASAP Rocky. So say I want to work for ASAP Rocky my strategy was never to hit up ASAP Rocky because he's never going to see my message. My strategy was to go through who ASAP Rocky follows on Instagram, find the person with the least amount of followers, and then build a relationship with that person. I wouldn't DM them and say, hey, like, plug me with ASAP Rocky. I would follow them, not even message them for a while, just like their stuff, like comment on their stuff. After a few weeks and months, I would like, Maybe DM them, like, hey, I love what you're doing. Like, keep it up, whatever. Then, like, three months down the line, I'm like, hey, I'm a graphic designer. Like, if you ever need help with something, like, keep me in mind. And then, like, every few weeks or months, I would kind of, like, just tap back into that. And I still have DMs on my Instagram. Like, I didn't get replies for 50 messages in a row. Like, straight up 50 over, like, a two, three-year period. And then, like, 51st message, like, they reply. And then, like, I end up getting a job from it. So, it's like... Back then, like, I just had nothing to lose. I was like, I do not care. Like, I will send someone 100 messages because I can't lose anything by doing that. Like, but I think the, the key thing there is I wouldn't be annoying about shit and I would never ask for anything from them. It would always be positioned around how can I help you and how can I do something for you? I would never say anything about, I would never ask for anything ever. So I'd never ask and I would never be like annoying, but I'd be very persistent <laughs> over like a few year period. I would hit someone up like 50 times and that paid off a lot. Like there was so many connections that I got 
right out of college just from that alone. And I feel like that gave me like a lot of momentum that I needed because I was freelancing full time. So I kind of needed a roster, you know, to be able to pitch myself to get like better clients. So when you were in Minnesota, you were working at an agency? Yeah, it's called Social Butterfly. That's so, brand, that was Brandon's, Yeah, right? that was Brandon's agency, so I work with him now. But yeah, it was like a social media marketing agency. Were you freelancing at the same time? Or did, did you freelance and then go to that and kind of take a step back? Or were you... Yeah, so I was freelancing before I worked there, like throughout college. And then I freelanced full-time after college. And then... I kind of like got sick of freelancing. I just didn't want to be doing like taxes and like meetings and all the other stuff besides creating. So I switched to the agency and I went salary at the agency and I kind of just like stopped freelancing for a while because I just wanted to commit all my time there. And yeah, so I kind of like when I first worked at the agency, I was freelancing still, but then I just ended up stopped doing it because I was like, I just don't want to spend all my time in my life like working. Yeah. Cause at that time I was working like all of college between like school freelance and my actual job. It was like 70, 80 hours a week for pretty much all of college. Jeez. And then after college I was freelancing still working at least 60, 70 and then probably around the same when I started at that agency. So did but you then I took a step back and I was like, I just need to work like normal hours. And work like 40, 50 hours a week. At the agency? Yeah. Did you go straight from Social Butterfly to where you are now? Yeah. So long story short, um, Brandon, the owner of Social Butterfly, kind of pivoted in his mind like what he wanted to be doing. And he's a year older than me. So he's 26. At the time, he was 25. Uh, he kind of just came to the conclusion that um, he would benefit more from learning from somebody else rather than like running his own company that young. Um, his ultimate goal is to learn as much as he can and kind of elevate himself to be in the best position he can be in. And so he felt at the time like running his own business wasn't the best way to like reach his full potential. So he decided to shut it down. Um, and he had a couple offers from different companies and he was kind of just deciding like which one to go with. Uh, ultimately he went with iconic where we both work now and uh, I kind of was not hiring at the time. Like he had a spot cause he had like past connections with them. Uh, but like for me as a designer, they definitely had no openings. They already had their team filled pretty much. And I literally told myself like, I'm not applying to a different job. Like social butterfly was shutting down in like December. And so in September I started pitching iconic. Uh, that's like when I met you pretty close after that. But I pretty much told myself, you were like on a phone call or Skype or something up at the meet, up at the cabin. Yeah, <laughs> I was like on vacation, like yeah. trying to land a job. I basically like they had no openings, uh, they weren't hiring. But I like DM'd the founder and said like, "Hey, I have some concepts. I'd like to pitch you on it." So I got his contact information. I made like a presentation, kind of pitched him on the value that I think I could provide them. Um, long story short. First round, he's, like, pretty much, like, the skill set's just not there for, like, what you're pitching. Like, not to say that there's no opportunity, but basically, like, that's just not it, like, what you're pitching right now. And I basically told myself, I'm going to continue pitching them every month until I get a job here. Like, I don't care what it takes. Like, I'm going to pitch them. 
And if I get a no, I'm going to get feedback and then I'm going to pitch them the next month and get feedback and then do it again. So September through December, I pitched them like consistently, like few times a month on different projects or like if they did like the direction I went on something, the next pitch would be like elaborating on that and breaking it down further um, and like kind of making the assets to bring that to life. So yeah, I did that for like three months, kind of just pitching and like solidifying my role. And then at the beginning of 2021, I got the offer there. So that's like when I moved out to Arizona and yeah. So Brandon started that same time too. He started like the same week I did pretty much. Want to explain Iconic a little bit, like what it is? Yes, Iconic, like this canvas behind us, is from us, and pretty much the company is just pretty much motivational and inspirational wall art. We have, like, framed prints and photography and stuff, but it's primarily canvas motivational art. So that's pretty much the whole business model, and there's like we have a lot of partnerships and licenses, like official licenses with Monopoly, the NBA, um, Michael Jordan, like just a ton of kind of bigger brands and names like that. So we're kind of creating inspirational and motivational art using um, IP from these bigger brands and kind of well-known names already. So it's a pretty, it's like a very small team. Isn't it like five of you guys or something? Yeah, full team's like less than 10. And you guys work out of the, like, is, does somebody, does like anyone live there or is that just strictly like you got, that's like the office? The yeah. House. So yeah, we work out of their house and they, the two founders live there. Okay. Um, yeah. And they just like, when we have like meetings with different clients and stuff, like sometimes clients will stay at the house just like, cause it's easier for meetings yeah. and stuff. But yes, the two founders live there and then the rest of the team that's not remote, we all work out of their house every day. Okay. So there's only a few of us that aren't remote, like half the team's remote, like in LA or Chicago or other places. So how many designers are there? Uh, there's like a handful. I mean, for the most part, there's only like three on the core team, but over the years, like sometimes we'll do collabs with certain brands or certain artists who have like their designers and right. stuff. So sometimes like other designers will play a role, but yeah, it's pretty much three on the core team. Yeah, it's crazy, like, just, like, obviously, when you got that job, I didn't know you super well, but, like, just a little bit, and, like, seeing that, it's just, like, I don't know, like, from where we're from, like, just, like, a small town, seeing, like, like, from the out, from an outsider perspective looking in, you see, like, this company, Iconic, like, at the time, I knew about Iconic before, like, yeah. meeting you and everything, I'm like, yeah, I knew, like, this is one of the fastest growing art companies, like, in the world. yeah. And I'm, like, seeing this, I'm, like, damn, like, knowing these, like, two guys that now work there and, like, you're designing these designs that are worldwide being sold. I don't know. I guess it, it's just, like, crazy to, like, see where it, it's, like, so, f in my head still, it seems so far-fetched. Yeah. That that's a thing. <laughs> that, like, in it, yeah. like, since moving to Arizona, I see, like, so much, like, opportunity like yeah. i don't want to call it like important stuff but stuff that's just bigger than living in your like then damn dog went nuts outside yeah going stuff crazy. that's just bigger than like what you grew up seeing and yeah i'm just like damn like it's just badass you know I don't, like yeah when you when you design something for like obviously this job like i'm sure meant a lot to you you pitched it for months like you said it yeah i'm sure it was your only focus for 
from when you started to when you finally got it. What is oh, yeah. what is that feeling like when it's like, holy shit, I did it finally. And yeah, like I, your first, did you have like a design that like was the first one you did that like got sold? Were you like, holy shit? So I guess for like me, when the time came, it was kind of like, it was just a weird timing in life. Just like, cause COVID had just started that year. The company I've been working for after college like shut down and like I was living with the owner brand. Like we lived together and stuff. So like there was a lot going on in my life just at the time. So like COVID was happening. So everything like changed. And then the job that I ran with like my best friend was a closing. So I was like, that's kind of sad in a way. And then I'm also moving away from all my friends and family to a state I've never even been to before. Like, so there's a lot going on in that sense. Um, but when I got the job, I was like super excited, but also kind of like all right now it's time like this is like not it wasn't like i was excited to get the job but it wasn't like a relief where it's like all right now the hard part's done yeah it's like now the hard part starts like so i had spent three months straight pitching after i was working my other job Mm -hmm. like working like 70 hours a week for like months on end and then i got the offer and it's like all right, I can take a breath real quick, but now I got to like fully get into it and like fully send this. So it was exciting, but it was definitely just like pretty overwhelming at first, just with everything going on, like trying to move across the country, all this stuff going on. So it was something I'll definitely never forget. Um, But it's just like when I first started researching alternatives to photography, when, when I found out about graphic design, that's like iconic was a big reason that I found that. Cause I saw the founder Cole, I saw his Instagram, like his designs and stuff, they're going viral. And that was like one of the first times I saw graphic design and kind of saw it as a career path. Cause before that, when I heard the term graphic design, I kind of just thought of like logos and stuff. Like company logos. Yeah. I didn't, off, like, I never like thought of graphic design before. Yeah. And then like when I started making that shift, I looked into graphic designers online and like I saw iconic and Cole, and I was like, okay, they're taking photography and like art and pairing it with like motivation and like making a business out of it. So for me in my head, that kind of ticked everything, all the boxes, like it's artistic and creative, um, but it has like my passion about kind of inspiration and motivation, like hard work, but then it's also like a good business model, you know? So it makes sense from a marketing standpoint, from a business standpoint. So for me, when I got the job, the biggest thing that I felt was just like inspired because it's like, damn, if I didn't see this company four years ago, I would have maybe never went into graphic design. And now I'm like working out of the founder's house, like who inspired me to start this journey five years ago, you know? So it was aggressive. Like at the time it was exhausting. Like I was so like, burnt out right when I started just because I'd been working for it for so long but there was a huge sense of like it felt surreal because it's like this is why I started graphic designing five years ago these projects that I did in my free time to get better were stemmed from this company you know and like the inspiration I got so for me it was like super surreal I was like I just it didn't feel real at first but it quickly hit me like all right, now I got to I got to make some moves now. Like I got myself in this situation, like I definitely can't get content. Like I need to really 
follow through with what I was pitching on, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of emotions at the time, but overall it was just kind of like a feeling of kind of inspiration. And um, I guess the whole journey up to that point felt worthwhile. Because during college, there's a lot of times where I wanted to go to those parties and stuff, but I kept telling myself, like, if I just focus on my craft right now, like, it's going to pay off one day. And so getting that job was kind of like the one day. I was like, this is this is what I worked for, for, like, my whole college career. Like, this is what I told my friends no for a thousand times. Like, when I wanted to have fun and, like, I just sacrificed and made myself stay in and work, like, it was all for an opportunity like that, so... It was definitely an impactful moment for me to get that and just kind of like reassuring to like what journey I was on. Have you seen a substantial growth in like your skill sets and starting there? Yeah. I mean, before I worked there, I didn't even like know how to use Photoshop. Like <laughs> I only used Illustrator. So like you make logos on there and yeah. it's like just vector and just different. Whereas Photoshop, you can do like practically anything. And so now it's like I use Photoshop 90% of the time probably and Illustrator like 10%. So from a technical standpoint, definitely seen a lot of improvement there. Um, and just from like understanding like rules of design and like all this stuff, I'm just in a position now where I can ask a professional, like anything I want, you know, an expert who I'm working next to every day. Cause all the jobs I had in the past were like either freelancing or like smaller companies. Like you're the highest stuff. Yeah. Like I'm the one with authority. Like yep. I can't ask someone what to do on a design cause I'm the designer. Like, so it's, it's been a shift in that sense where I'm able to ask questions and learn a lot more. But I think the biggest thing I've learned is just about kind of optimizing, whether it's um, kind of how to work better, like how to focus better and how to like tap into that mindset and just how to get things done in a more impactful and like quick way. I think I've learned a lot about that side of things more so than actual like art skill set but just like from a business standpoint, how things work and how to operate like at my best pretty much. So Ian, if you had to uh, design for like an artist or someone, who would you want to design for? Like that's at like the top of your list. Yeah. I mean, if I could go back in time and be like a, artist that isn't alive anymore would definitely be Jimi hendrix up there okay i could see you making some dude just like, stuff for Jimi hendrix dude when I, i'll never forget this when i was in middle school um, my dad used to take me to like uh these like vinyl shops and cd shops and would let me like pick out something i wanted and i remember i got like a Jimi hendrix greatest hits when i was like i don't know 10 or 11 or something and it's just been like a classic <laughs> i just love Jimi Hendrix from a young age and like Stevie Ray Vaughan, just like guitarists like that. Yeah. But like a live artist currently, I think ASAP Rocky would be up there for me just because I've always liked his music, but I also think he's got, he's really tapped into the culture on like fashion and kind of like moving the needle of culture, you know, and like kind of encouraging people to do things differently, I guess. So he's definitely up there. For I feel me. like he's like bigger than his music. He he's oh, more yeah, of like for sure. He's mm, Rihanna's his baby mama. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> at that point, you know you're <laughs> yeah. winning. If that's the case. Like, dude doesn't even Why need any more songs. Yeah. So that's I mean. Oh yeah. That's probably like the number one, which is weird though, because I don't even like. I used to listen to ASAP Rocky a lot, like in high school and stuff. I don't really listen to him as much anymore, but I just kind of like the vibe that he's always had. 
and like his emphasis on like fashion and stuff has always stuck out to me. And he also like Virgil Abloh did like all his early album art designs and those designs back when they came out, I didn't know who Virgil was. And I remember seeing those and like reading into it and learning about Virgil from it. And Virgil, Virgil ended up becoming one of like my biggest inspirations. So it was kind of a cool meeting of like, I liked Rocky's music and before I was into design, I liked his album art design. And then once I like knew more about it, the designer behind all that like became one of my biggest inspirations. So it's kind of like hits a lot of those different boxes for me of someone whose work that I actually enjoy. But obviously there's like a deeper kind of message behind that too. Yeah, dude, I think he's going to be dropping a new album soon, soon. I hope so, man. That's what my buddy McGuire was saying. So It's been a while. Hopefully. I hope he does too, because I actually like ASAP Rocky. Like, yeah. I don't listen I to know. much rap, but like, I love ASAP Rocky. Dude, He's McGuire like, has a folder on like vibes. Google Drive of just a bunch of like leaks on release. Oh, really? yeah. He's got some bangers in there too, but that was from like two, like two years ago or something. So I might have to yeah. get that folder. I know. It'd also be cool to do something just for like a more iconic traditional brand or a band like the grateful dead or something like that you know yeah. just something that would like really like go down in history yeah because i feel like with rap it's like i've always liked rap from a young age but ultimately it's like obviously that's not everyone's style and like it's obviously kind of frowned upon in certain aspects of it um so it would be cool to do something with a band that's i guess not i guess not as much like they're not more acceptable, but they're just, like, more known throughout the whole world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Through generations. Yeah. So, like, what artist or rapper, like, made you like rap? Or like, That's a hard one, but... Like, which rapper put you on at, like, a young age? You're like, oh, shit, I kind of like this. So, one of the places I lived when I was younger was Memphis. And right, like, during the time I lived there, I only lived there for a few years. But during the time I lived there... 3-6 Mafia <laughs> say three, six, dropped, like, Stay Fly and, like, yeah. Pop in My Collar. And, like, that was in the city I lived in. So yeah. every, like, I'm sure those songs were big all over the country. But, like, in Memphis, like, every radio station you turned on was playing those songs. That's all you heard was just How old were you? I was, like, six, bro. I was, like, super young. Do you ever think, <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I'll just, I'll just have these, like, random memories. But you ever realize, like, some memories you'll have and you'll be like these certain things and then you'll be like wait that was like third grade yeah and you're like why the fuck was i listening or watching that oh dude when i was in third grade <laughs> was, yeah i'll like think of stuff i'm like yo that what i think <laughs> yeah i often think about that because i think about like one day when i have kids like what am i gonna let them get away with like listening to and watching because i was listening to like vulgar music when i was six and i was like I couldn't be saying the words in front of my parents, but like in my room, I'd be singing the words and stuff, you know? And mm-hmm. like, obviously this is not a good influence, but I think it turned out all right. Like nothing bad really happened from it, but it's interesting to think about that because those songs are definitely not good songs. Especially <laughs> not for like a six year old to be like yeah, singing right. and stuff. And so I think about that too, but I think in a way like that kind of stuff really like shaped me into like become who I am. Because I feel like with rap music, it's kind of a weird perspective, but one of the reasons I like it so much is that for a lot of these rappers, they come from 
rough backgrounds with a bunch of adversity and they're kind of born into a life that they are at a disadvantage just because of the situations that they're put into outside of their control. So I've always found rap music like really inspiring in that sense to see people that are put at a disadvantage just overcome those obstacles and make something like big out of it, you know? Whether or not it's your taste in music, it's like seeing an artist go from homeless to one of the biggest in the world. Like that to me is like just super inspiring. Yeah. And that's, I've always resonated with that from like an early age because I've kind of realized I've always been in like very safe situations. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was never in situations growing up where I was put at a major disadvantage in my life. You know, I was always in pretty decent situations, which is a blessing and something that not a lot of people can relate to. And so seeing people that inspire me through music come from much worse situations than me is something that I actually resonate with a lot, like outside of the music. Yeah, that's that's like I I've only watched the first episode of the Kanye doc so far. Yeah, because that that's like the I love the first episode, but I'm waiting. Those type of things I like to watch them by myself. So yeah, like I wait until just like absorb I have like it. A yeah. long time. but like I don't listen to Kanye yeah. at all. I yeah. like a like he has some classics, but like I do not. I don't like Kanye's music. Yeah, it's just not my style. That's fair. Yeah, his fucking but him as like that documentary and like the you watch that and you're like. Damn, I need to go do something. <laughs> You're like, Holy it's more than shit. music, bro. Yeah, it's more than music. It's like just the person overall. You're just like, apply that shit to anything. And yeah, it works. You know, like yeah. So I would definitely say like, it sounds weird, but like Three Six Mafia. When I was like six, they're like, I used to love them, and like when I moved to Texas, it was like Paul Wall and like all those like OGs, like. Yeah. I don't listen to that stuff as much anymore. Like, it's pretty rare, but that time frame, like that music to me is will always like stand out because it's just so like that era, that city. Like it's just that so 2000s specific. Rap. Do you have any like specific, yeah. you don't even have to like say the memory, but like, do you have like specific memories of like you were like six, seven years old? You can picture yourself like in that house you lived in listening to like hundred oh yeah hundred percent how is that shit possible you know what i mean like yeah my older brother had had like the, the og xbox yeah for some reason eminem's el- the el- album with mockingbird on it yeah was just like downloaded onto, onto it yeah. so like i had never like i never listened to like rap I, before I, that i had yeah. to it was before fifth grade because that place i lived was before fifth grade yeah i was just listening to fucking encore yeah <laughs> like every day because it's the only option but i'm like how can i completely remember like it was yesterday my little eight-year-old self sitting in front of the tv clicking the xbox <laughs> starting eminem fucking new mockingbird word for word at like eight years old yeah no i <laughs> what i have so many memories like that like I used to play basketball around that time when I was younger and I would always like play in my driveway and there was like one station on the radio that was like only rap. Like there, that was like the only station that was like only rap music at the time for where I lived. And I just remember I'd play basketball in my driveway and I'd like play this radio on my mom's like car speaker and it'd be playing like three, six mafia, 50 cent, <laughs> like Snoop Dogg and like, 
oh, I just used to like know all the words and I just like love that stuff. And like, I'll always remember that. Like playing basketball to those artists is like something that I would like come home from school and just do that and like I was the happiest kid ever. Right. Like that's like the only thing I could think about in school. I was like, I'm gonna go home, and play basketball, and listen to and listen music. to Three Six Mafia. Dude, I remember, I, I remember, it, like, this was when I lived in that same house, so I had to be fifth grade or before. But I like made my mom drive me to Walmart so I could get my first CD, and I got fucking <laughs> Nelly. Classic. <laughs> it was like Nelly Sweat or something. It, on, he dude. had like the yeah, band aid band- <laughs> on my first CD ever. <laughs> I don't even know if there were any good songs on it either. Like, I feel like I remember listening to it and being like, I mean, all right, like it's fine, but damn. (laughs) It's a core memory right there. Yeah. Remember that forever, bro. That, 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 like the CD and the, it was like all blue and shit. Yeah, dude. Classic. I remember the day that me and Buck went and bought the curtain calls Eminem CD at Best Buy. It's classic. Third grade. (laughs) <laughs> listen to that shit that day yeah man it's crazy thinking back about that it's like apparently hearing all those bad things at a young age didn't turn out to be that bad or that big of a deal uh were your parents like creative at all uh my dad did like photography when he was like in high school and like he would like rebuild he would, like this is like when computers were first like created pretty much and he would, like, build computers from scratch. Like, go get parts from, like, different stores and just, like, build computers and stuff. Damn. So he was, like, super techy and, like, creative in that way. Like, doing, like, sound system design and, like, all this stuff. So not as much, like, artistic, but definitely creative in a, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, didn't really grow up. So it was more of, like, not personal inspiration, but, like, you you just... That's just what you were into, basically. Yeah, I mean, from a very young age, I always had liked art. And, like, I just didn't know at the time the things that I liked were, like, art. Because I used to think of art when I was a kid as, like, just drawing and painting, you know? Mm-hmm. But I always liked photography and, like, fashion and just stuff like that. I never really thought of it as art. I just thought of it as different things I liked. But, yeah, I guess... As I got older, I started to realize a lot of things I was interested in with music and fashion and photography. It's like, it's all creative things that I just never really thought of. So like as a kid, I wasn't really involved in any kind of like artistic experiences as much. But I just started to realize as I grew up, like all the things I were interested in was artistic. Did you play sports like in high school or anything? Uh, I played like a lot of sports when I was growing up, like through middle school, like basketball, soccer, baseball and high school. I played soccer for like a year or two years. Maybe I wasn't really into it. I just like had friends on the team and we just like played and we were super bad. So, uh, obviously you're working at iconic now. Most of your time is probably like that. Yeah. But when you do get to like design, just because we talked about like how the process a little bit earlier yeah i feel like but do you have like a personal design that you've done maybe nobody's even seen it because like like you don't post on instagram like you'll post like a project like once a year yeah yeah literally (laughs) so like do you have stuff that you make that like you make it you go all right that's fucking sick and you close the macbook and yeah there's actually 
There's literally a design I made like yesterday. That's like my favorite design I probably ever have made. And I'm just like, what you're saying with Instagram, like at this point, I used, there was a stage where I posted every day on Instagram for a year. Like when I was doing photography, mm-hmm. I was like wanting to get my name out there and like build a portfolio. So I used to be super heavy on that. And like I would DM like a hundred people a week, like I said. So now me with like social media and Instagram, I'm just kind of like, I'm in a position like with my career that I, I feel like I'm in a good spot and like I'm working to get better all the time. But as far as posting stuff, I just don't really care as much to share it anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things like I'll make projects for myself and just kind of admire them for myself and just not like, that's just the end of it. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot in the past when I was posting on Instagram a lot, I would challenge myself to try new styles and try new things. Um, but the business side of me, whenever I see something perform better, like if I do illustration minimalism here and it performs super bad but then i do a collage next week and the collage performs super well i'm gonna shift my focus to do more collages and stuff like that's just how i am as a person i want to take feedback and like act on it but i've realized with instagram and social media it's kind of unhealthy to operate that way you know because just because something gets more engagement than something else doesn't mean it's better or worse Um, so my mindset behind like not posting and stuff on Instagram nowadays is just because it allows me to progress and like view my art from an unbiased perspective. Yeah. I can see it and I can determine like, do I like this? Do I not like this? What could I improve? Like I just get to see things from like an unclouded perspective. And so I just, have learned to enjoy that more i feel like it keeps my art more like true to like what i actually want to do and i I definitely want to get back to the point where i'm posting more often but i just was at a point where i was like making art to post it you know what i mean and i realized like that is so backwards like i should be making art to make art and like if instagram didn't exist i should still be making art you know so i just kind of like wanted to get myself out of that mindset so that's like why i don't post as much anymore but Every weekend I try to create personal art and some weekends I'll make three, four pieces that I really like and other weekends I'll try to make something and nothing turns out that I like. But um, yeah, I mean, lately I've been kind of finding a new vibe that I've been liking and trying to just progress on that and get better wherever I can. Yeah, I, I, I was listening to a different podcast where they were talking about how it's like a, it's like a filmmaker photographer all sorts of stuff but they're like yeah i like unfollowed every other artist i followed because all i would see is other shit and as cool as it is and as inspiring as it is like i want to make what i'm thinking not what i see because you know you start seeing all this shit on social media and then you just say like oh that's working or i like that and then even subconsciously you might not even know you're doing it but you just start like copying it and so i really like heard that and i was like yeah, that makes perfect sense. So yeah. I slowly kind of was like, "Yo, I love your photos." Like it just, you know, like photographers, they don't know me, I don't know them. Yeah. But I'm like, "Oh, sick photos." I used to follow them because I just want to see, but now I'm like, maybe not, cuz like I'm yeah. going to see this and somewhere down the road like as much as it might inspire me, am I really just like copying all this shit? And yeah. I want to like take that back as far as possible. You still want to be I still want to be inspired, 
but I don't want to be like seeing stuff all the time on social media where I'm just like, that's all that's in your head is shit you've already seen. And then you're just making, I feel like it's kind of the same thing where you just want to make what you want to make with no input or anything, because in reality, like it's only got to make sense to you. Yeah. And that's like a big thing. Like, like I said, I got to the point last year, maybe two years ago where I was creating just to post it. And I think a big goal for me lately is like, I want to kind of tap back into like my inner child, you know, and like tap back into when I was first discovering photography, I would go out every single day and I would take pictures of like stop signs and just like anything, bro. Mm -hmm. And it was like so fun and like so inspiring. And I just felt like I was in a different reality when I was doing those things. And over the years, as I posted more and like started doing it for work, I just like lost that. And I started just to like make things that I thought would do well. And I started following certain trends and stuff. And I just came to a realization last year, like there's so many upsides to Instagram and social media. Like I wouldn't have any of the portfolio I have without Instagram, but in order for me to tap back into like raw creativity, I just needed to kind of like separate myself from looking at that so much. Because like you said, you look at things that inspire you and you, at least I like start to think, how can I like iterate off this, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I think I got so far away from what I actually like as a human that my art wasn't even reflecting at that point, like what I was feeling, you know? It was like the beginning of that San Holo set, what they were saying. Yeah, literally. It's like, just stop listening to what your friends like, what other people like. Yeah, because you get... The only thing that matters is what you you like. Yeah, you start to think that you like certain things that you might not even like. And, like, I noticed that with me and and design for a while. I started, like, having a certain style and thinking that I like that style. And then I kind of came to a realization that I didn't like that style that much. That was just something that people had grown to know me for. And, like, people came and, like, paid me to do that style. But I, like, kind of grew out of it, you know? But I was, like, holding myself back by, like, trying to stick to it. Do you feel as though... Do you see that stuff and say like, wow, that wasn't good? Or do you say that's just like not what I'm like, not what I want to portray? Because I'll, I'll have times where I'm like, like, I'll look at like everything that I posted on Instagram before like three months ago. And I'm like, yo, this shit sucks. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I mean, what I, the fuck was I thinking? I definitely, uh, I definitely see both sides of that. Like I oftentimes like scroll through my Instagram Just to like, I think the culture of social media as a creative has made it seem like you create a piece, the quality of it is derived from the engagement. And once it's been posted for like a day or two, it's just like meaningless. Yeah. That's like what art has become nowadays, like just with Instagram culture. And so for me, like I'll go back to remind myself over the years, like just to see the progress, number one, but then to also see like, oh, some of these original photos I was taking were, like, so creative. And I can, like, think back of, like, how I was feeling at that time. Mm-hmm. And so it's inspiring for me to go back and see, like, maybe I don't like this photo anymore or like this design anymore. But kind of being able to tap back into that mindset that I was in is, like, really valuable. And it's also valuable to see, like, for my old designs, I can point out a million things that I did wrong or that I would do yeah. differently now. So... It's a little bit of like inspiration, but also like 
reassurance like I'm growing. Like I can see what I would do differently now. So I think it's important to go back and like look at that type of stuff. I I was like just my daily contemplation of life today. <laughs> and I was sitting there and I was, I, I always have this, cause I like get like, so, cause I like trying to like grow my business and whatever so much. And it's like all yeah. that's on my mind. So I'm like looking at my Instagram and I'm like, I always want to just like archive everything <laughs> other than the shit I like. Yeah. But then I go back and look at it and it like, it's so much, so like nostalgic. And like, I, like my first year living in Arizona, I think maybe a little before that or something, I did these like, it was called like random thoughts with coach broad where I would yeah. type out like multiple paragraphs yeah. of like an Instagram caption and real, like exactly what the fuck was on my mind and yeah. like insightful shit. So Cause I was like going through it, you know, I was like, really yeah. like, what am I doing with my life? And every time I like want to go like archive this shit, like I only want this stuff to like, that represents my, like what I, the work I want to do. Yeah. I see this stuff again though. And I'm like, Oh, that was like so important to me though at the yeah. time that I'm like, why would I fucking like all this old stuff that like it might not flow or whatever, but I'm like, who fucking cares? <laughs> like, I know that's always the struggle with me is just kind of figuring out like my Instagram. I don't ever post anything like I don't post personal photos on there. Like it's just my work. Yeah. So I definitely battle with that too, where I'm like, I want this to be a portfolio. So I want it to be clean and updated to like what i'm at currently but at the end of the day i just keep everything on there from over the years because it is a learning experience too and just i think people also like to see progression right someone like a, a big brand could come to be like damn he went he was doing that like now yeah. he's all the way here they could see like oh this kid was motivated like yeah. you can go back and see the history of it so i think it's important to leave that stuff but I mean, I definitely been in that situation where I'm like, I really want to archive. I'm also this stuff. the type too, though, where when it comes to like my business, I guess as a whole and like my life, where I'm like, because like like you said, you're you have like a business Instagram and then you have like personal. You, you yeah. just post. Whereas I've like battled mentally of like, oh, all this shit. Should I split it, yeah. And uh, I'm like, if somebody doesn't want to hire me because they don't like who I am as a person, yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's so not going to be a fit, yeah. So as as harmful as that might be in <laughs> terms of business, that's how I think. So I'm like, you know what? If you yeah. if you want to hire me for a video or a photo and you see my stuff, and you're like, oh, I like this. But then I post a story of some dumbass shit, but that's who I am. Yeah. And you don't like it anymore and you don't hire me. Well, I don't want to fucking work with you anyway. Yeah. And so. I think that's fair. I think, honestly, a big reason I have a separate personal is not even for that, but it's more so, like, I can shift, like, if I just want to scroll Instagram and, like, not think about anything and, like, just see my friends, like, yeah. do dumb stuff, like, I have a separate Instagram. I can just do that. That makes sense. Because, like, my main one, it's, like, I don't want to, I don't really follow many people besides, like, business type stuff and, mm -hmm. like... I don't like scrolling through there because it's like I'm in like a business mindset right. when I'm on there. Like I already worked all day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's <laughs> so like having a personal one, I can just log out and go to my personal one and be like, see if my friends are up too. Like it's just yeah. it's just a different like it's kind of like a work life balance type thing where I like to be able to just like get into a different zone of like work is off my mind. I can just see my friends have fun and like have a less serious 
Yeah, that makes sense when I'm like viewers. I'm waiting for the the update where like you can actually. There's supposed to be some Instagram update where you can like sort what you actually see. Oh really? Yeah, I didn't even know about that. Or I just be muting people that I don't actually yeah. see. Also, so it don't matter. It is. It is. If you feel the need to follow people but don't want to see their shit. Mute them. Like, it's straight up. It's a game changer. Especially if you're trying to just, like, refine your focus. Yeah. And you don't want to see, like, people partying and, and if, stuff like that. If you're a guy and all you follow is tits and ass <laughs> and you have any sort of goals to do anything, unfollow all that shit. It's a bad distraction. Because <laughs> it's all you're going to see. But, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Anything else? Jordan, you got anything? Nah. Much, yeah. Learned a lot about you, Ian. So. I know you probably didn't know a lot of that stuff. Yeah, no, I didn't. So I was just absorbing everything. So. Just absorbing. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I could start talking about NFTs and stuff. But <laughs> yeah, we could go. Already, Are you an NFT guy? Uh, you seem I, like you would be. I'm not like a. I don't own any NFTs, but like, but a do you big create part of them? Right? Because they. Like a designer, you know? So yeah. yeah, dude. There's you some. Be, you could be designing. You ain't on that shit. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. A lot of the work I do this last year has been around NFTs. Yeah. Like at work, at my actual job, we're making a heavy pivot into that. Um, just nothing we've posted. We haven't posted anything. It's all been uh, private because um, these projects are coming out pretty soon here. Yeah. So I'm not an NFT guy in the sense of like I don't have my own. I don't make my own, but like I learn about them and like talk about them and do stuff with them like, every day. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I'm an NFT guy. I don't know if you'd Big say Big NFT guy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about like the metaverse like coming up with all the crazy technology shit that's going to be happening? Like, my thing is like there's no avoiding it. It's going to happen. I'm not thrilled about it just because like, I'm trying to get away from my phone and like social yeah. media more. But I do think there's good opportunities with it. It's just not something that I'm gonna like. I'm not rushing into getting involved in it. Like yeah, no. it's gonna take years to develop, and I'm gonna be open minded and not be. I'm never like anti like technology. Like I think you have to be down for something new like that. Yeah. If you want to really take advantage of the opportunities, so I'm open get- to it. Elon's chip in your head? Nah, mm-hmm. I'm not about that. <laughs> I'm trying to disconnect as much as possible. Right. I feel that. No chip 100%. in the head. No. <laughs> All right, Ian. Thanks for coming on. Good to have you. You were Appreciate one of the you, you me, were bro. one of the OGs when I started this. Where I was like, definitely gonna have Ian on because I think you do cool ass shit. So, oh yeah, appreciate it, boys. Good to be on here. All right, let's yeah. let's go vibe. Let's go vibe. <laughs> let's go vibe. Cigarettes on cigarettes, my mama think I stink I got pearls in my hoodies, all the homies think he's think I miss my cocoa butter kisses I miss my cocoa butter kisses Cigarettes on cigarettes, my mama think I stink I got pearls in my memories, the homies think he's think I miss my cocoa butter kisses